This week, my son, Luke, put me on to a recent article in Atlantic Magazine by technology writer Franklin Foer, reflecting on our virulent problem with mental, emotional, and especially spiritual distraction. In particular, he was reminded of poet Mary Oliver's relentless focus on paying attention. And Luke, my son, remembered that she is a favorite poet of mine. Sadly, she died just in January of lymphoma. As Fuller explains, in the age of surveillance capitalism, you know what that is, right? You know what surveillance capitalism is? You are a part of it. <laughs> you should know what it is. It's what all of the big tech companies, Google, Amazon, Facebook, what they're all involved with in tracking you and keeping your data locked up and then packaged so that they keep you addicted to your electronic devices for profit. That's called surveillance capitalism because they are watching you and collecting your data 24-7. By the way, did you know that the Wi-Fi towers out on our street have cameras in them? Did you know that? That are operating 24-7 all of the time? Do you know who holds that data? Google. Google has that data. It's a big deal, friends. We're not going to go too far down the pike on it this morning, but, but it's a part of what I want to speak of today. So, Four writes, in the age of surveillance capitalism, the biggest corporations redirect the gaze exploiting the psyche's vulnerabilities for profit. Even silenced phones light up with notifications that break eye contact and disrupt concentration. YouTube plays videos in an endless loop, cued on the basis of intimate data, so that the emotional rush of one clip stokes the desire to watch the next. Facebook, the ultimate manipulation machine arrays information to exploit the psychic weaknesses of users with the intent of keeping them on its site for as long as it can. The hand touches the phone upon waking, even before it can rub the eye or reach across the bed to wake the spouse. While society has grown a little wiser to how the technologies can be exploited by foreign governments, the costs of allowing our attention to be commandeered remain drastically understated. It was not Mary Oliver's intent to critique this new world, and it's hard to imagine she even owned a flip phone, but her poetry captures its spiritual costs. Interestingly, publishers tell us that less and less people are reading poetry. And I suspect that's because it requires attention. Well, reading this piece by four really struck me. Yes, I said aloud, 
the spiritual costs are staggering. So this is what I wrote back to my son, Luke. Luke, I have very vivid memories of being alone in the woods as a boy, completely captured in wonder and the emergence of a self-aware spirituality, or as in this article, attention to the sacred mystery, to God. Oliver had a beat on that like no one else, and what a critique of the catastrophe of current tech conditioning. You know, I've been thinking about this more and more of late, finding time in the woods a real respite and antidote to current conditions. I like to sit on that porch outside the kitchen, silently observing and listening, or walking nearby trails. Just this last week, I was thinking about all of this, sitting in the gazebo at the lily pond on the trail we've walked so often, when it seemed the tree bark in front of me began undulating. Looking more closely, I realized it was several moths that were utterly matched in color to the mottled bark, clearly genetically selected for this matching. I mean, when they stopped moving, they utterly disappeared. And it hit me like a thunderbolt of wonder, like that small boy 60 years ago. And then the thought occurred that most people miss this sort of thing. And I would, too, had I been checking texts and Facebook and whatnot. My phone was in my pocket, after all. I'm rarely without it. Oh, my, what catastrophe of time and attention and the loss of wonder and joy and grace. That's what I wrote to Luke. So consider this Mary Oliver poem entitled, The Summer Day. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean, the one who has flung herself out of the grass, the one who is eating sugar out of my hand, who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down who's gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? I do know how to pay attention, she writes. You know, 
this matter of paying attention lies at the heart of the spiritual quest. In fact, there can be no spiritual quest without a desire to pay attention. And at the moment, we are culturally bound up in chronic distraction with technologies designed to keep our attention focused where their owners direct. And for the time being, we're mostly willing dupes in this subterfuge. We haven't yet fully understood the full ramifications of the problem, and they are huge. But I feel it gnawing away at our ability to embrace the things that matter most of all. As you've heard, in the church's calendar, the fourth Sunday of Easter is known as Shepherd Sunday because the gospel text references Jesus addressing us as his sheep. And we read, we actually sang the paraphrase of the 23rd Psalm just a moment ago. Calling this Shepherd Sunday is poetic metaphor, as is referencing Jesus as the Good Shepherd. And honestly, this sounds so remarkably misaligned with current cultural trends and norms, so oddly old-fashioned or not of the moment. To get it requires some spiritual imagination, and spiritual imagination is fashioned by paying attention, real attention to what's right in front of us at any given moment. And paying attention, by the way, is often accompanied by silence, sometimes long periods of silence, not speaking, not texting, That's the price of admission for paying attention. One form of paying spiritual attention involves showing up to what matters most, building habits and disciplines that foster our ability to pay attention. Things like regular attendance at worship, building bonds of human connection, that is, in-the-flesh connection, physical connection, and not just cloud connection as a disembodied projection of what you want people to know or think about you, not the masquerade, rediscovering that a poem like the 23rd Psalm holds more spiritual muscle than any Twitter thread or Facebook post or YouTube flash or Candy Crush contest or any other tech distraction. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me your rod and your staff that comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know that we can access this on a device anywhere in the world at any time of the day is a marvel. I mean, it's an astonishing marvel. But will we actually pay attention if we do? Because that requires turning off the device while we consider what it is that we've just read, fully alert with an open mind and heart, and actually it's best if we cast it to memory so we can avoid the tempter's snare. Friends, let's speak honestly and frankly to one another. These are excruciatingly difficult disciplines today. We are slipping into this world of distraction unawares and we're losing ourselves in the process. Do not think I am overstating the case. When I was a boy out in the woods, alone, the opportunity for discovery and wonder was unencumbered. Are kids doing that today? Today I have to work at the opportunity. I have to work at it. That is, I have to make a conscious choice, an intentional decision that I will be alert to the present moment because otherwise I have an umbilical connection to an electronic thing in my pocket that wants my attention and wants to own it. Am I wrong? Now, you had to do a variation of that to make it here today. You chose a countercultural activity to be here. If you scan your phone, by the way, while you're sitting here in worship, you likely believe you're successfully multitasking. But the science is clear. That's why it's illegal to text and drive. The science is crystal clear on this. Alert parents discover the seduction of so-called multitasking parenting. Parenting while texting. It's a diminished state. And it teaches diminished potential for building robust, loving bonds.
You know, the 23rd Psalm concerns our fundamental identity. In a sense, it's a naming poem. In the ancient imagery, a naming of shepherd and sheep, although the word sheep is never used. More deeply, it's a poem about rock-bottom reality and concerns our essential security in a wondrous but dangerous world where life is tenuous and fragile. It locates our true home. And, and oddly, here is where postmodern people find very great difficulty finally identifying who they really are, determining what truly has ultimate importance, where life derives its elemental energy, and then coming to understand the relative value of stuff and things in our overwhelmingly materialist culture now fashioned by addictive distraction. This is a massive spiritual problem in our culture today. We spend so much energy on secondary and third. Oh, matters leaving the fundamental question unasked. As in, given I had nothing to do with my being born and having to die, can I be secure that my days on earth have any meaning whatsoever? You know, it makes good sense why we encounter this psalm at funerals. Death has a way of awakening us, sometimes in a startling manner, to the shallowness of our thinking and choosing. As Mary Oliver asked, doesn't everything die at last and too soon? The Lord is my shepherd addresses this directly, and those who have been paying attention, here's, here, here's, here's where we're going to land. Those who have been paying attention allowing those words to seep into their hearts and souls, into their cellular membranes, fortifying their foundation into a diamond hardness. This psalm will feel like their quiet breathing as they fall off to sleep on a still and peaceful night, knowing that come what may, they are held in the arms of God with whom they dwell secure, their whole life long. The thing is, this deep, profound, and beautiful wisdom comes only with a steady and relentless discipline of paying attention.